Greetings, film fans, and welcome to another episode of the Following Feature Podcast. I'm your host, Arthur Wilde, and I'm here every week to give you a rundown of all the latest film news, and we break down some film reviews as well. So, basically, filling you in on what's happening with the world of film and castings and all that jazz, and... uh, and also look at a couple of films that I've watched this week, which I think maybe you should watch as well. Or maybe it's a film that I've watched this week and I think you should not watch it. Who knows? Sometimes films are shit. Sometimes they're fantastic. And we have a special film to talk about today I'm very excited about. But um, we uh, will get to that when we get to that. We'll start off with the film news. And I think everyone knows what I'm going to be talking about this week. First of all... Apologies for last week, I know I was a bit down in the dumps. Um, I did prefer to share that with you rather than just kind of take a week off and, and wallow in my own misery. Um, and uh, yeah, I wasn't really sure about releasing that one, to be honest, because I, I felt it kind of, you know, it would turn a few people off. But I got some positive feedback, um, some encouraging messages. Uh, I'd like to take this time, actually, to give a shout out to Sam Watt, um, Andrew Maslin, um, uh, Olivier McGrew, McGraw, sorry, McGrew, Jesus, I'm sorry, Olivier, I didn't mean that, um, and just everyone that kind of reached out, Matt Brown's it as well, finally got around to listening to your first episode, and it was the miserable one, I'm sorry about that, dude, um, but yeah, everyone that sent me messages, uh, Chris Barnard as well over at Fast Film Reviews, lovely bloke, um, there's so many of you that have, you know, been so sweet and considerate over the last week, and, I really do appreciate that. Um, It's just one of those situations where occasionally I'm not going to be in the greatest of moods. Um, You know, as I say, I do have depression. It's mild. Uh, It's not a huge thing. It doesn't really get in the way of me being able to live my life. Um, But it was going in that direction for a while. And as I say, like, the the most important thing I did was seek help. Um, And through that help, I've been able to gain the skills um, that I need to ensure that I don't allow those those dark phases, as we called them, uh, me and my therapist, um, to really take over your life. And I know there's going to be people out there, if you do occasionally have dark phases or, you know, moments where even though everything's great in your life, you're just down in the dumps and you can't explain it, speak to someone, you know. Don't live with it in silence because it doesn't get any better that way. If anything, it gets worse. So, uh, like I said last week, if you've got a problem with your liver, you go see a doctor about it. If you've got a problem with your bones, you go see a doctor about it. But uh, if you've got a problem with your mind, you seem to think it's all your fault and your responsibility to fix it. Well, you don't really know what you're doing, so do speak to an expert. Even if you don't feel ready to speak to an expert, speak to a friend. Just open up to the the people that care about you and and tell them that you're not feeling great. I do that, and uh, you know what? It's... It's amazing how how considerate and compassionate your friends are. You kind of take it for granted sometimes, but there are people around you that do love you and do care for you. So don't be afraid to tell them that you're not great right now and you could you could do with someone to just kind of just to listen. Because that's it. It's not about finding people with the answers. It's just about sharing the problem and getting all out there because it makes a huge difference, I tell you. Um now, one of the reasons why I bring that up this week again, um, I, I don't want to bring people down, but I do want people to realise that um, you can reach out and you can speak to people if things are, are quite bad. And there's been some bad news this week, um, and I know everyone's expecting me to talk about it because it just broke yesterday. I woke up four o'clock yesterday morning, um, a news alert on my phone, to tell me that Chadwick Boseman the uh, American actor best known for playing Black Panther in the MCU, uh, has died. Um, Yeah. It's just, it came out of nowhere. None of us was really expecting it. 43 years old, um, and unfortunately passed away after complications with stage 4 colon cancer. Uh, Now, the full story is that he was actually diagnosed with stage 3 colon cancer back in 2016, which is when he was making... Um, the Black Panther movie. Um, And since then, he's gone on to make not only that, but uh, Avengers Infinity War, um, Endgame. Uh, He also did uh, Spike Lee's The Five Bloods. 
Um, and he has a, another film coming out um, on Netflix soon as well, which I will be talking about and reviewing as soon as it arrives because it feels like we've only just got to know him. You know, his acting career really only took off around 2011, I think, when he made the uh, Jackie Robinson film, 42, with Harrison Ford. Um, and so he was someone that was rising quite rapidly to significance. Um, made a bunch of films. Uh, Get Up, the uh, story of James Brown he'd also made. And there's a few things there that just, you know, he was really starting to establish himself as a real hot property and uh, a very exciting actor to, to watch. Uh, but not only that, Black Panther was a very significant film. For it to be about an African superhero. I, I'm, you know, admittedly one that had been established quite a long time, but with um, Hollywood not really understanding the appeal of of such a protagonist, um, it wasn't really something that kind of got made, you know, it was, it was rumored to be in production for, for the best part of 20 years. Uh, but with the expanded MCU, it was given more of an opportunity uh, based on the success of the other films. Um, and it was just a fantastic film, but to have an African superhero, um, suddenly there was lots of um, young black kids and, and, and children of colour that could look up at a superhero that was, you know, someone they could identify with. Um, so it's very significant in that, that you know, that way. Uh, but he did a fantastic job of, of portraying that character and using the popularity of that character to go to... And this is something that kind of you you hear about with completely different ears now uh, after his, his untimely death. Um, but he was visiting kids in hospital with stage three cancer. And he was trying to lift their spirits and keep them hopeful, be positive. Um, and now you realise all of that whilst he was suffering and, and having countless surgeries and chemotherapy. Um, a wonderful, wonderful talent. And, um, you know, not just for King T'Challa. I think he had a lot of, a lot of, you know, potential in, in many other different roles. Um, as I reviewed the Defy Bloods, the Spike Lee film, um, his portrayal of Storm and Norman as this almost cult-like um, man of supreme goodness and, and, you know, he was the guiding light for all of his uh, his troop that that did make it out of there. Um, the, the point is, like, he, he brought a lot to that role and really kind of, it was a, a small side role, but he brought that um, amount of, uh, I think I overused the word gravitas, but when you're bringing such substance and such depth to the role, then that is really an apt way of putting it. So unfortunately, yeah, we have lost Chadwick Boseman. And the world is reeling. Really it is. Um, I was trying to type up some notes for some film news today, and I had to scroll page after page after page because it's taking a while for the full impact of his death to be felt across the world. Um, the amount of people that he, you know... Um, influenced and inspired and encouraged uh, the amount of people that wanted to work with him and, and looked forward to working with him and the amount of fans that were anticipating his work it just it, because he kept it so quiet um, it just took us all you know we were blindsided it was just yeah he'll be greatly greatly missed as I say not just for his Marvel work, um, although that is going to leave a huge gap right now. And there will come a time when we need to discuss, you know, what happens with the Black Panther character in the MCU, but that's a long way off. And right now, it's about remembering the man um, who stood for much more than just being a good actor. Um, he he was a, a spokesman for... Uh, Kids that just want to realise their potential. But more than that, um, for people of colour who felt that they were marginalised or not represented uh, in the Western world, to have someone else to look up to uh, and something to aspire to, but to keep working um, and to keep achieving uh, and to keep it inspiring. 
That seemed to be his his main, you know, goal in life. Um, so greatly missed. Um, and I know that 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 news will be devastating to a lot of people. Um, again, if if you if you want to talk, give me a shout. Drop me a message on Facebook, Instagram, uh, anywhere you can find me. I'll hear it and I will respond. All right. Now on to more news, and uh, it's hard to move on after that because I'm a huge fan of what he's done so far. Um, and yeah, it's it's just a very shocking bit of news to take. He wasn't much older than me, um, and this is the thing, when I turned 40 recently, um, it was a bit of a wake-up call because, you know, that, that, that age kind of crept up on me, and, and I haven't really taken care of myself, so I, I did go to the doctor several times actually at the beginning of the year and just say just every test everything you've got um which is a great thing about uh living in england because you've got the nhs and you can just say test me test me test me without having to worry about them billing me billing me billing me um it's just yeah i mean good news people i'm fine i'm good i'm gonna live a long healthy life um well i'm gonna live but um, I'm kind of I'm kind of lost now. My mind's a bit all over the place. Um, but let's move on with the, the movie news. The haunted mansion is being turned into a movie again, and it looks like it might be shit again. Uh, excitement did build when um, Guillermo del Toro discussed his intention to bring uh, the old Disney attraction to life once more, but he's no longer associated with the project. Uh, instead, we're now getting a script from Katie Dippold who was responsible for Ghostbusters. You know, the bad one. So I think we might be getting to see uh, another straight-to-Disney-plus release on this one. Um, if you don't remember, there was a film made about, like, sort of, I think about 10, 15 years ago, maybe even longer than that, uh, with Eddie Murphy. And again, it's all based off the actual attraction at Disney World. Now, you may be thinking to yourself, is that really enough to, to kind of launch a film franchise off? Well, it worked for the Pirates of the Caribbean. So, yeah, yeah, it could. It could. Um, but with the way they're going about it, probably won't. Probably won't. Um, Katie was responsible for uh, writing the reboot of Ghostbusters, which no one's really discussed since. It was kind of, it was a, it was a huge disappointment. Um, and uh, it's been mostly forgotten, especially as we're now getting Ghostbusters 3, which seems to, you know, basically um, completely ignore the reboot and just carry on where Ghostbusters 2 left off. Um, yeah, I don't really know what to make of that. I doubt they're going to get Eddie Murphy back involved, so it's going to be a, a, a different cast, although it's not really kind of based on any particular story, so... Not really sure what to expect from it, um, but a Disney-based comedy family film on a haunted mansion and all the escapades within. Who knows? It could be it could be a, a fun family film, um, but you know, they've tried this before. Unless they're going to throw shitloads of money at it and make it into the next Pirates of the Caribbean. Well, I don't really see that one working out too well. But watch this space. Uh, as soon as we know more, we'll let you know. Now, um, Ryan Reynolds... Uh, <clears throat> it's a bit weird talking about what Ryan, Ryan Reynolds is going to do next, because Ryan Reynolds is probably one of the most busiest men in the world. I looked up his IMDb page earlier today, and he seems to have at least seven different things in production, post-production, pre-production. <clears throat> he's, he's a very busy man, but... He seems to be working a lot with Netflix at the moment, and uh, he's just signed up to do a new Netflix comedy called Upstate. Uh, he's going to star and co-write the film, um, but he's currently working on Red Notice for Netflix, which is uh, a film about chasing down the world's greatest art dealer, or art thief, or whatever the hell it is. Um, but that stars um, Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Gal Gadot. So that could be good, but don't forget, we've also got... Um, What's it called? Uh, that one where he plays the non-player character in a, in a video game. Um, anyway, that guy's he's really, really busy, but um, I think he's trying to get... He's trying to establish his own 
situation at the moment because he's got his producing company called Maximum Effort. Um, and I think that's the one that he's using to... Uh, I think he used that... He worked... That was the, the, the company that worked with him on um, Six Underground. Worked with him? His own company? What the hell am I talking about? Um, he's churning out a lot of films at the moment and it seems to be a lot of them for Netflix. Um, and the quality is questionable. So... I'm a bit worried at the moment that Ryan Reynolds, because he's a huge talent and he's he's very watchable and everything. I watched Six Underground. It was f- fucking terrible, but he was good. He was fun. Uh, and the film had its moments, but it just it was just an incoherent, babbling pile of shite that just kind of meandered for about two plus hours before fizzling out like a, a wet fart, basically. Um, yeah, don't. I mean, you know... Stick it on in the background if you're not if you if you're kind of distracted anyway and you're not really able to concentrate on a film. But Six Underground's a pile of shit. Um, but yeah, there, there's still a um, a lot of potential with his films, and you know even though he's got like seven on the go at the moment, hopefully it's not quantity over quality. But um, I don't know. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see on this one. Um, the last bit of news today, and it is a bit of a kind of quiet week for news uh, because of the obvious tragedy. But um, John Carpenter's 1982 classic, The Thing, could be getting a remake. <clears throat> Speaking during a Fantasia panel, he confirmed that Bloomhouse chief Jason Bloom has spoken to him about the project whilst making the Halloween reboot and confirmed it will begin production down the road. Now was his quote. Uh, so maybe after the current Halloween sequel, because they made um, Halloween and I think the next one's called Halloween Kills or something like that. Um, but they're having a bit of success with that. So they're kind of continuing with it, with it at the moment. But apparently all the discussion um, behind the scenes has been in regards to uh, working on rebooting. So starting, <clears throat> I don't know, is it reboot or re- remake? I think it's a remake. Um, so they're going to basically start from scratch with John Carpenter's The Thing. Um, but I think this time, because I wasn't surprised to hear this, apparently the thing based on a novel, I, I, I don't know the novel. I assume it's called the thing, uh, or something of that kind of ilk, but, um, yeah, they're going back to the original source material and they're going to try to remake the, the classic film in a way that, uh, means that new audiences can find it and love it. Although in my opinion, just watch the original. I mean, I know it's it's a bit of a dated film now, but the practical effects do hold up. They're really, really quite ingenious. Um, but there's there's so much to that film. The performance from uh, Kurt Russell, uh, the 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 way it was shot, the way it was filmed, and you know the way it kind of comes together. It's a, it's a really enjoyable film. Not every old film should be ignored because it's old. Back in the days, uh, you know, these these guys would use the imagination being put into special effects. I remember the difference. Special effects are practical. Visual effects are computer generated. Um, and this film was heavy on the special effects. Some of the, the stuff they did, some of the horror that they created was so impactful that it it's one of those films that will never die. And when they tried to do the um, the sequel uh, in 2011, it had its moments and it was a, a really interesting idea, but they relied way too heavily on CGI and it just kind of... It went from being something with huge potential to just being any old horror film. Um, and that was a shame. Uh, I think we're all a bit disappointed with that. So hopefully... Um, Hopefully what we'll get out of that is, you know, something really, really interesting, something really, really good. Uh, Jason Bloom seems to have a really good appreciation for these horror franchises. Um, And he doesn't, yeah, he doesn't tend to piss on their memories too much. So fingers crossed. Um, But yeah, that's pretty much it for film news this, this week. There's not really a lot going on and... It's a bit hard to find anything that doesn't involve Chadwick Boseman on, on the internet right now. Um, so a bit of a quiet week, but um, let me tell you something. I've been back to the cinema. I finally did it. I got my mask on and I went and I watched Tenet. 
In fact, I saw it Wednesday. Um, it blew my mind and I had to know more. So I've, I've researched it um, for the next three days. And then yesterday I got up and went down the cinema and I watched it again with a bit more of an understanding, a bit more knowledge and a bit more kind of appreciation. Oh my God. Before I get into the film, let's talk about cinemas. Um, because as you've probably seen when you go outside, you know, the, the rule is that if you're going to go into an establishment of any kind of sort, where there's going to be members of the public, you're advised to wear a mask. In fact, it's obligatory in most places. And why do we wear masks? To ensure that the most vulnerable of us don't catch a very, very deadly virus. That's it in a nutshell. It's not about taking anyone's rights away. It's not about restricting anyone's ability to breathe. It's none of that bullshit. No, Bill Gates isn't trying to fucking chip us, you stupid, dumb bastards. Okay, that's it. I don't want to get into that one because I've already fallen out with a bunch of people and had to unfriend them on Facebook. There's some stupidity at the moment. And uh, yeah, it just drives me crazy. But you go to these places... Um, like, because I went to a, a cinema, like one of these multiplexes, and it's in a sh like a retail park. Um, it's it's yeah, it's a weird situation. Um, but in the cinema, my experience was that I was wearing a mask. I used the sanitation stations as I walked in to make sure that I wasn't accidentally bringing anything in with me that I I may have had, um, you know, bought confectionery. And the first thing you see is like groups of people that aren't wearing masks. Um, and it's kind of weird because these are the obnoxious ones that they think they're brave because they're not wearing a mask. But that's the thing. There is an actual danger and it's a precautionary measure. And a lot of people are saying like, yeah, but, you know, I'm young, I'm healthy, I might be fine, innit? Well, maybe you will. But maybe one of the people you pass by won't. Maybe one of the people you pass by has an elderly grandparent at home who's very vulnerable. Um... There's there's so much to be considered, and I think all people are really considering is themselves. So that was disappointing. Um, but then I got into the cinema, and of course, you book a seat, and it means the two seats beside you aren't available. Um, I went to see Tenet at the IMAX on the day it was released, so there was a lot of people in the cinema. Um, and it seems that because the rule is uh, you can take your mask off to eat your food, as soon as everyone sat down, everyone took off their mask. Um, yeah, uh, it was a tough one. I ended up taking my mask off as well because it was kind of, you know, what's the point? It was, it, you know, it was, it was, it was confusing. Um, but anyway, the point was, got through the film, uh, I put my mask on whenever I had to kind of get up and go to the loo, uh, and I drank like one of those like five pint things of Tango. So I was I was up, I was up more than once. That was a that was a terrible idea. Um, but the next time I went to see it, which was Saturday, middle like midday Saturday, uh, which I was expecting to be even busier, um, I went to see it on a regular screen, and I was one of seven people in the cinema, um, which felt a lot safer. Although there was some old fella in the back row who was there with I believe a carer. Um, and he was mumbling questions to her, which didn't bother me, but she was shouting responses back. Um, and it was just driving me fucking crazy. However, regardless of all the idiots that I had to go, go see the film with, I've seen the film twice. Um, and I'm going to review it. That's our first review. However, there's not really a lot I can say about it. And even right now, I'm contemplating... This is episode 16 today. Woohoo, 16. Um, and I'm really contemplating, after I record this episode, recording a quick episode 16.5, which is Tenet Explained. Because I've seen some terrible, terrible reviews of this, and the review basically says, I didn't understand the film, therefore the film is terrible. I've also seen some people say, like, the sound design is awful, I couldn't understand a word that was being said. Now... There was a problem with cinemas not adjusting their sound for this film. And it does come with very expli explicit instructions on how to set up the sound for us. It's not a very tricky situation. Just most cinemas didn't bother. 
and the IMAX I saw it in, they didn't bother. Uh, which meant that there were certain moments in the film when, when those big noises come in, it was just, I mean, yeah. It was loosening things in my digestive system that I wanted to stick around for a little bit longer. It was just a bone-rattling noise every now and again, and I understand that that made it difficult to understand. That's not the film's fault. That's the cinema's fault. When I went back to see it, and this is what I've heard from many people that have gone back to see it again, that the, the sound is adjusted, and it is normal the next time you hear it. So these reviews where people are saying, like, I couldn't follow the plot, so it's shit, in it? No, you're an idiot, and it's not that complicated. And this drives me crazy about um, Christopher Nolan films as well. People to this day are still talking about like kind of, oh yeah, but it took me like four or five watches to understand Inception. Why? Why the fuck did it? That's not a confusing film. What is wrong with people? Inception is so straightforward. They literally have a, a Leonardo DiCaprio explains everything that's happening throughout the entire film. That's the idea. That's why they've introduced, um, what do you call her? Juno. Um, Ellen Page. Her character is there to be the audience. And so as he explains how everything works, you're hearing it as well. To, to anyone that doesn't understand Inception, give up, all right? Smart films are not for you. And that's not to say that, like, sort of, I've got some kind of snobbery about, like, sort of uh, films and and being a, being a film fan or a film connoisseur or whatever I want to call myself. I don't see myself as being uh, a better or better than anyone because I understood the film. It's just that it's not that complicated. It's not that complicated. Tenet is not very complicated. It is complicated. It is a complex story. And there's a lot to kind of figure out. But there's a point about a third of the way into the film where you start to understand what's going on. And it does make sense. In fact, about halfway through the film, there's a very pivotal scene um, in which... The use of time inversion is demonstrated so perfectly that it's almost like a, a light goes on and you're like, oh my, of course. And let me tell you, once I started figuring out what this film was doing and what it was uh, achieving, I couldn't stop grinning. This has been one of the most enjoyable movies I've ever seen. And not just because I felt like a bit of a smarty pants for understanding it. I genuinely thought that the, the, the story's exciting. I mean, it's a warped time inversion movie with a kind of James Bond film. Because it's a spy film. It's all about espionage. But let's get into the review. And then, then you'll know where I'm coming from. Um, but I think, I think I'm going to have to record an, an, uh, like a, I don't know, an addendum of some sort um, that kind of breaks down what Tenet is all about. Um, I was about to say, let me know if you you know want me to do that. But by the time this is published, I'll probably be recording it anyway. So just just wait, all right? All right. Okay, so Tenet from Christopher Nolan. Um, basically, John David Washington plays a CIA agent participating in an undercover Russian operation to steal a mysterious object during a terrorist attack on an opera in Kiev. During the operation, he's compromised and almost killed by one of the Russians, but he's saved by a mysterious stranger using time-reverse technology. Soon, he finds himself working to discover the truth behind the sudden appearance of weaponry that uses ammo which has had its entropy reversed, meaning it now moves backwards through time as the world around it continues to move forward. But who is creating the technology behind this? Where is it coming from? And what does it signify? Pretty soon he's on the trail of a Russian oligarch, Andrei Sator, played by Kenneth Branagh. And as he uncovers Sator's plan, the protagonist discovers a plot that could end in total annihilation for the whole world. It seems that time is running out, but maybe that's just a matter of perspective. Now basically, in this film, um, say John David Washington plays the protagonist. That's his name in the film. We don't really get to know much about him, but... The idea is that he's supposed to be completely anonymous. Um, being an undercover spy, you would never really, you know, he, his whole identity is supposed to be kept completely secret. 
And so Christopher Nolan plays up to that by just giving him the name the protagonist. We never really get to find out what his actual name is. Um, And uh, he basically has to team up with uh, a British intelligence officer, um, Neil, played by Robert Patterson. Um, And the two of them are trying to chase down Sator and find out where he's getting this technology from what he intends to do with it and just what they need to do to stop him um it means discovering different secrets about the way the world works and it can be quite painful on the brain at times um there's a few paradoxes involved uh some of them extremely clever some of them just yeah mind-bending um i've talked a lot about cerebral films on this podcast it's one thing that i really do look for uh, films that that make you think um art is supposed to provoke a reaction that's the whole idea behind it and when i walk away from a film if it doesn't leave me thinking about it for a couple of days then I, i'm you know there are times when i've i've watched a film and and I couldn't really tell you much about it, not because I wasn't paying attention, but because it just had no impact on me. I mean, I could tell you about the story and the plot and the the stars and the characters and everything like that, but whether or not I can tell you how the film affected me, you know, that's that's a different kettle of fish altogether. And let me tell you, when I walked out from watching Tenet, I was... I was in awe, basically. When someone's been developing an idea for 20 years... And they spend three years just writing the script. You know you've got something, something, you know, complex. Um, I was going to say good, but that's not really a requisite. Um, I've seen people put a lot of hard work in some terrible, terrible films. In fact, all terrible films require hard work. Isn't that something? It's worth worth remembering. The thing about Tenet is that... Um, it's not just, uh, it's not, uh, there is a, a huge kind of plot point, which is this time inversion theory. And basically it means that an object can have its entropy reversed. Now, if you don't know what entropy is, it's the causality of, uh, it's a molecular causality caused, um, brought upon by time, or the passage of time in a linear understanding. That doesn't help. Um Imagine a sandcastle. Uh, you can build a perfect sandcastle. But as the wind starts to blow, it loses its edge. As the tide comes in, it will start to subside. And eventually it will just work its way down to just being sand again. And, and that, that decay of that state into another state is the entropy of that thing. So basically what they're saying is um, they're reversing, the technology has been invented to reverse the entropy of objects. So with the bullets they have, um, they don't travel forward in time. So you can't fire them out of a gun like a normal bullet. Um, Instead, what happens is you actually end up sucking the bullet out through a hole in the wall, which is a bit weird. Um, Because if you're going to kill someone, you've got to know exactly where that bullet's supposed to be. And then get them in the way of it before you suck it back into the gun. It's a strange situation. And trust me, you should not spend too much time thinking about that kind of stuff. There's a quote in the film where it says, The best thing to do is just don't think about it. Just feel it. And I've seen a lot of people advise that that's a good idea when watching the film as well. Try not to think about it too much. Just feel it. Um, Because the film does run at a considerable pace. And there's uh, a lot going on. The action keeps going and the story keeps developing and twisting and turning in ways that it's really hard to keep track of at times. But trust me, if you're paying attention, this film will um, reward you by going somewhere you don't expect it to go and doing things that you've never really conceived of before. And this is a, a very, very unique film. It kind of reminded me of Primer in a way. Have anyone seen Primer? That was a, a complicated film about time travel. 
um, and establishing certain rules and obeying them, but then like sort of bending them in ways to kind of add a certain amount of trepidation. That's what Tenet does. It really does kind of make you, it gives you certain circumstances where it's like, okay, well, as long as that doesn't happen, then we're safe. And then the threat of that happens. And it's just like, oh, well, okay, yeah, you've built up the tension. It's all the way through it. Um, uh, John David Washington, fantastic. Absolutely, he's he is pure James Bond in this um, film. Um, and he has a wonderful scene with Michael Caine as well, uh, where he kind of delivers this kind of cool demeanor um, to a very, you know, established man such as Michael Caine um, and it really does have this kind of Bond feel to it uh, he's constantly in, in um, nicer suits as the film goes on sometimes in a three-piece suit and that's amazing seeing him like sort of actually beat the crap out of people in a in a you know a tailored three-piece suit um, but the film uh, you know visually it's gorgeous and the way certain things are executed like there's a fight in a hallway between someone moving forward in time and someone moving backwards in time. And it's thrilling, absolutely thrilling to watch. Um, and, you know, it kind of gives you a, a real sense of um, the, the whole idea. I mean, it, do you remember that episode of Red Dwarf, uh, Backwards, where they go to Earth and everything's backwards and they've got, like, sort of everyone talks backwards, but... They find that they've got this unique ability to like be um, a novelty act, uh, the amazing backwards brothers, because them speaking forwards seems backwards to everyone else. And having those two worlds live side by side. I'm not saying that Christopher Nolan stole his idea from Red Dwarf, um, but I wouldn't be surprised if he was influenced by it. Um, there's a lot of technical achievements in this film which kind of make you sit up and go, wow. But it's not just done for the sake of showing off. It's pivotal to the film. Every single detail in this film is pivotal. There's nothing in here which is seen as, you know, just showing off or just kind of, yeah, just being self-indulgent. A lot of times when, when films are trying to overachieve, they can get a bit self-indulgent. And uh, I think that's kind of what my problem was with Inception. Um, I think it was just too proud of itself, but it gave... It gave it away. It showed its hand. And I just, I've never really had any kind of desire to go back and watch that again. Um, whereas Interstellar, um, mind-blowing. And yeah, whilst it, it, I think Interstellar overall is a beautiful movie, but as a story, I wasn't that captivated by it. I have watched it multiple times, but... It's more for the cinematography and the performances and, you know, Matthew McConaughey and, uh, well, all of them. They're, 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 it's, it's a great, great film. Um, but with, with Tenet, I think, I think Christopher Nolan has um, almost completely realised his potential as a filmmaker. Um, it really did. It, it's one of those films that made me kind of sit back and go, He's the new Kubrick. Kubrick films are ones that that get analysed for for you know for generations because there's so many layers there to to peel back and to look deeper into. I think what Christopher Nolan's done, he's he's trying to kind of capture that uh, level of filmmaking where it becomes the gift that keeps giving. Um. So yeah, I'm not going to say much more because I feel like I need to give this a proper breakdown. Um, but if you get a chance, go and see Tenet at the cinema. Um, don't bother with an IMAX. It will look fantastic in IMAX, but that's going to be the busiest screen. Um, so try to see it at a normal screen and try to see it like midday on a Thursday or something like that. Just don't take any risks that you're not comfortable with. Um it, they're just films you'll get to see more films in the future um so don't if you, if you don't feel comfortable don't risk it but if you do feel like you want to go check out tenant it's really really good tenant i've i've i'm sure i've called it tenant at one point in this this review it sounded like i just said it just then 
But um, and I've heard a lot of people review it as Tenant. Um, Tenant. Yeah, there's so much to unpack in this movie. Um, I'm thinking of doing a quick breakdown of just what the film is about. Um, just for anyone who's watched it and felt like, uh, I didn't, I don't know what happened. What happened? I don't, I don't understand. Because I, I went with someone on Wednesday and I had to explain a few things on the way out in regards to what was happening to whom and why certain people were doing things. Um, but yeah. All right. Next film. Uh, another cinematic release. Um, American Pickle stars Seth Rogen as Herschel Greenbaum, a man who is making a life for himself and his pregnant wife in America until one fateful day, working as a rat catcher, he falls into a vat of pickles moments before the factory is condemned. He awakens a hundred years later to a world he no longer recognises, but finds hope in the news that he has one living relative, Ben, who agrees to take him in and help him get on his, get, get on his feet. At first, Ben seems to be living the dream, but Herschel soon realises that, in the modern world, he can only see his descendant as a failure. The two clash and vow to prove themselves better than the other, but will their constant fighting and attempts to sabotage each other end up with neither of them left with anything to be proud of? Or can they come to settle their differences before it's too late? Now, this was an odd film. Um, when I sat down to watch it, I really expected this to be like a proper Seth Rogen, like stupid stoner film. Um, marijuana's not brought up once in a Seth Rogen film. And he's, he's, in, he's in it twice. No marijuana. Not one. Not one of the marijuanas. Um, but anyway, I did expect this to be a kind of Judd Apatow style kind of slapstick stoner comedy. Um, what it actually turned out to be was a bit more of a kind of black comedy. Um, it's, I'll be honest, tonally, it's a little bit all over the place. Uh, it does have moments of being kind of silly funny. And it does have some moments of being um, quite sweet and sen sentimental. Um, but there's times when it gets dark as well. And, you know, there's no real consistency throughout the film. It keeps like wanting to be a bit whimsical, but then it gets quite dark and serious. And then it kind of lightens up a bit more, but then it kind of reverts back to its darkness. And um, for that reason, it's kind of... it's it's At times you find yourself asking, like, what am I actually watching here? Well, how am I supposed to be interpreting this? Because I don't feel like I'm taking a steady path through this film. It just seems to be a kind of rocky road of different uh, emotional ideas. And... Um, the one good thing about it is Seth Rogen, um, or two good things about it, if you pardon the pun. What he does with establishing these two characters, um, he makes uh, both Herschel and Ben genuinely seem like different people. Um, and it, it's, it's, it's you've got to give him credit for it because it's quite impressive. Obviously, it's it's just him, um, and he's he's you know him with a beard and him without a beard and a pair of glasses. Uh, so it's it's not exactly like the most significant disguise, but um, his general demeanour, uh, his mannerisms, his uh, little idiosyncratic characteristics, like every single part of it, his stature, the way he holds himself, um, all of it is completely different. And you got, yeah, as I say, you know, credit where credit's due, he's really established two completely unique characters. Um, obviously they're going to have some similarities they are still supposed to be family at the end of the day um, but it's it's weird because it becomes easier as the film goes on to distinguish between the two and you, you kind of forget about the fact that it's just Seth Rogen in both characters um, and he is a decent actor this is the thing, Seth Rogen has a lot of quality to him but he doesn't really tend to go for roles that you know, really stretch his acting muscles too much. Um, there have been moments in his career where he's he's genuinely seemed, you know, like he's he's got something more to him than than his work is showing. Um, and actually, you know what? Knocked Up is one of those films that I I think deserves more credit than it gets because 
he he gives a very balanced performance in that. Yeah, he is playing the the stoner loser, but there are moments of of sincerity in that film that I think really showed him like to be a a, a good actor. You know, at times people think when when Seth Rogen's playing like the gormless stoner kind of you know comedy part that he's just being Seth Rogen, and for the most part, I'm sure he is. But he does try to give it something. Uh, one of my favorite films he did was Observe and Report, um, where he plays a, a mall cop in America, um, but one with ambitions that go beyond his current status. But because of the the various problems that he has psychologically, like he's never going to get a look in as a real cop. Um, but he doesn't see it that way. He sees it as more of a kind of conspiracy. He's living in this dream world um, where he's never going to be given the responsibility of a police officer, but he feels like he deserves the respect. Um, and that's a really good film. If you haven't seen that, I think it's from the same makers of uh, Napoleon Dynamite. But Observe and Report. It's him and Michael Pena. And it's a it's a wonderful film. Uh, it really has uh, a lot going for it. And Seth Rogen is just mesmerizing in it. Um, again, it's a very dark character. Um, but it kind of plays off the the expectancy of, of what you think Seth Rogen's going to be. Um and I like that about him. I like the fact that he's using uh, people's expectations against them. Um, and he's one of these actors. I just feel like there's going to be a role that defines him at some point. Um, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing him, like, sort of really flex some proper acting, you know, skills. Um, he does quite a bit in this film, but... It's it's a first time director, and I think I just don't think that he was, you know, considering the continuity of the film when he was making it. I think as he was making it, he was like kind of going on a whim, saying like, "Oh yeah, this would be a bit of a dark scene. This you know, keep it dark, or this would be a bit of a kind of whimsical scene. Keep it whimsical." Um, but without establishing uh, a certain mode or mood for the whole film, it kind of. You get a little bit lost at times. It is a fun film, and it does have its moments, and it is enjoyable. It is, it's not what you expect. Uh, it's an interesting plot, and it does this weird thing of um, there are times where you think, well, that doesn't make any sense scientifically, and it acknowledges that uh, by occasionally, like, sort of, someone will say, like, well, you don't really expect us to believe that, do you? I mean, based on the the science, and they're like, well, actually. And there'll be some kind of interrupting noise where you don't quite hear what the scientist says, but then it turns back to reporters and they're like, oh, you know what? It does make sense now. Now that you've explained it, I completely understand what's going on. And so they do that kind of deliberate thing where it's like, let's not get lost in the details. You know and I know that this is a load of bollocks that you can't just like be preserved for 100 years in a vat of brine with some pickles and, and be completely fine when you come out of it. Um... And they acknowledge that, you know, sort of there's a load of bullshit in this film and, and they, they don't want you to, to worry about it too much. But they also acknowledge the fact that they are just making shit up as they go along. Um, and I think that kind of goes for, you know, the whole film, really. Um, it was based off a short film, which got the director some kind of recognition. Um, but honestly, I, I just, yeah. It's, it's, not, it's not great, but it is, it, it does have its moments and it can be quite nice. It can be enjoyable at, at times and it's... It's not a terrible film. Um, it's just not great. Uh, it's coming out on HBO Max. Uh, it did have a, a limited cinema release here. Kind of erratic, the dates that it was on. So if you can find it, uh, go check it out. Uh, one thing, you're probably one of the, the only person going to watch it. So at least you don't have to worry about COVID. But yeah, let's go on to our last film of the, of the week. Um, and it's Cardboard Gangsters, uh, which is an independent film out of Ireland that's directed by Mark O'Connor. Uh, who co-wrote it with John Connors, who also stars. In fact, he plays the, the, the film's protagonist, Jason Connolly, who is a young man with high ambitions. Uh, there's a pun there, you'll, you'll understand in a second. Fed up of living in the shadows of an old-time gangster, Dara Murphy. Um, Jason and his boys have been have an uncompromising approach to establishing themselves as the real deal and not to be messed with. That means fighting violence with violence regardless of the consequence. But when the consequences become a reality that finds them backed into a corner, Jason may find must find a way to be the big man or allow his rival to destroy his dreams and ruin him, or worse, kill him. Now, 
I've wanted to review this film for a while now, and if I'm absolutely honest with you, I actually forgot about it. Um, <clears throat> John Connors is a young actor out of Ireland, and he's been making. Um, he got a lot of note. Uh, you know, he got a lo lot of um, good press for this film. Uh, a lot of people talk about what a, a wonderful, like powerful and stoic performance that he gives. Um, it's a very interesting story. Basically, it's just. It's about a, a group of young lads that are like low-time dealers. And they've got these lofty ambitions, as a lot of youngsters do. Um, watch too many gangster films or whatever. And they, they, they want to be the tough guys, the big guys. They, they're really, you know, the ones that run the whole neighborhood. Um, that have power uh, and respect. Um, but for the longest time, uh, these old fellas have been just running all the drugs and crime that's been going through the city. And um, no one really gets a look in. Uh, so these guys, they see an opportunity. They see um, a chance to dethrone the king and, you know, take the throne for themselves. Um, but they're getting a bit ahead of themselves. And they're, they're, there's no real kind of thought or planning. There's no real kind of, you know, long-term idea of how to establish themselves. They're trying to do it by, um, by brute force, basically. Uh, and it means that they... they very quickly start ruffling the kind of feathers they don't want to be ruffling. Um, and whilst their ultimate ambition was to rival the, the gangsters of the town, they get their attention way too quickly. Um, and instead of actually being threatened by them, the old gangsters are waiting for them to, to shoot themselves in the foot. But what happens is the young fella uh, who wants to basically be the heir to the throne, um, the, 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 Dara's son he he wants to make a name for himself by like impressing his dad and standing up to these young gangsters uh, but he antagonizes them more and brings more conflict between the two families and the two kind of um you know groups um so things start escalating really really quickly and it kind of gets out of hand uh but it's a it's a great film because there are some really wonderful performances, but what's really good as well, it doesn't really play up to any of the stereotypes. Um, like, this isn't about glamorizing the world of, of drugs and crime. Uh, this is about facing up to the reality of it um, and the consequences uh, and the ramifications of everything that happens around it, the things that people don't really take into consideration. And, you know, when you're getting high off your own supply, chances are you're, you're not thinking straight. Uh, and that's the problem with these guys. They're they're having some short term success and they're seeing quick money, uh, but they're they're just getting fucked up on class A's all the time, um, and their judgments are becoming clouded because of it. They're getting too ambitious. They're getting too greedy, and they're giving themselves much more work than they they originally wanted to do. So whether or not they'll be able to actually be successful, I mean, you'll have to watch the film. But the performances, I mean. John Connors, he deserved all the praise that he got because he really is a, power, a powerhouse in this film. Um, as I say, a very stoic character. Someone who doesn't show their hand too much. Um, but he's frustrated by the fact that everyone around them is just flashing their cards. Um, so he's, yeah. It's a wonderful performance. It's a fantastic film. Um, and that's my indie film for the week. I, I really would recommend it. Uh, it's on Netflix, actually. Uh, give it a go, um, but I'll, I'll I'll be honest with you. Um, it really helped having family from Dublin and and understanding the accent and you know be able to you know recognise what people are saying and and be able to follow the dialogue. I'll be honest, the accent's very thick, and they talk very very fast. I mean, if you can imagine um, Conor McGregor on speed and the kind of bullshit they had come out with at a million miles an hour, that's exactly. In fact, there's there's one character. He seems to be off his nut through the entire film. And he sounds a lot like Conor McGregor. But just, um, you know, a really G'd up sort of pilled version. Um, yeah, wonderful film. Really, really enjoyable. Quite violent. So, you know, don't think of it as a family film. Um, but a different, a great character study to watch. Uh, Cardboard Gangsters Netflix. Give it a try. Okay, that's pretty much it for film reviews and news and all that jazz um i say sorry to be the bearer of bad news when it comes to chadwick boseman 
Um, that's one that's going to be impacting us for a while. I was thinking about doing a review of a film, but I don't know. I, I kind of felt like that was, um, I don't know, trying to bring attention to myself at the back of someone else's tragic loss. Um, you know, in the past I've done a Black Lives Matter episode and I've done a Pride episode, but um, that was more about raising awareness for good causes. Uh, whereas I don't feel it's great to, um, I don't know, try to not profit from, but, um, you know, to gain attention off the back of this tragedy. Um, but yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't really know what I'm going to be doing this week. I don't know what films I'm going to be watching. Uh, there's a few things that I need to check out, uh, a few things that I need to watch. Um, I've mentioned The Prestige a number of times now, so I think I might give that a quick review next week. Um, what else was there? Oh yeah, The New Mutants is out of the cinema, and I hear terrible things. So I might slag that off next week, that'd be fun. Um, I kind of feel like sort of I need to lay into it a bit. Um, although I feel bad because I got to work with Maisie Williams um, a little while ago. In fact, it's on a show that's coming out on Sky One, I think, next week. It's called Two Weeks to Live, and it was one of the most um, worrying calls I've ever had from my agent. Uh, she asked me, like, what, what are you doing next Thursday? And I was like, nothing much. And she goes, right, you've got two weeks to live. I'm like, holy shit, how did you find out? Why did my doctor tell you first? And how do you know? Why? Was it from next Thursday? Obviously, that wasn't the case. Um, it's a TV show. Uh, about um, a young lady that's been trained as an assassin, and when her father dies, she decides to find a, like work her way back into civilization to get her revenge. Um, she's got a kill list. Um, uh, yeah, it looks it looks really really good. It looks very very interesting. It's uh, directed by um, Al Murray. Um, no, Al Campbell. Sorry, Jesus. Sorry, Al. Not that you listen to this, but uh, Al Campbell. <clears throat> who uh, I've worked with a couple of times, actually, um, and I made the mistake of uh, calling him by his character name when I first saw him, uh, because he did... Most people will know him from uh, his time playing Barry Shippies on Charlie Brooker's Screen Wipe. Um, he'd often have, like, little sections done by Barry Shippies and Philomena Kunk. Philomena Kunk, played by Diane Morgan, who uh, is the star of the new BBC Three comedy, Mandy, which... You can see yours truly in. In fact, I've had a number of, pe number of people actually drop me a message this week. Um, people who I haven't seen in like f 10, 15 years kind of approach me in a kind of weird way saying like, uh, hey, dude, how are you? Um, So I was watching this show on the BBC and I think, I think I saw you. Well, you did. Um, That's me doing uh, a bit of... I don't have any lines. Um, I'm just reacting. And as jo Joey says, no, that does not mean acting twice. Basically, I just have to react to this lady being weird and gross. Um, but it's one of those things. Uh, people feel like sort of a great script or some great dialogue will bring out the best in an actor. But some of the toughest stuff you can do is just reacting to another actor's dialogue. Um because a lot of people will screw up their face and do all kinds of madness. And I, I have no acting training whatsoever. So everything that I that you see of me is stuff that I've worked out from just watching, like, you know, films and TV shows and stuff. Um, I'm not a great actor. I, I make no bones about it. But I, I really love the process. I really love the, the job. I love being on set. I love working on films. In fact, three weeks to go, people. As of Monday the 21st, I start work on a film, which I've now found out is going to be taking me through probably to Christmas. So I get to do lots of work at a big film studio on a big film with, I think, Oscar-winning actors. Yeah, Oscar-winning actors. That's nice. Um, and I also might have a, a job lined up for the beginning of next year. I'm being um, considered for, again, just background role, but um, in a Netflix series. So that could be fun. Anyway, I don't really have much else to say. Um, one thing, I was uh, shouting out a lot of people earlier in the podcast. Uh, one person who's there week in, week out, 
always messaging me, always giving me feedback, always being supportive, considerate, and compassionate. Um, without doubt, Sarah Haler is top fan. Um, and uh, Sarah, I really do appreciate you. Uh, I really, I'm, I'm so grateful that you take the time to listen to the podcast every week and give me feedback and encouragement, and you always support me and lift me up and make sure that I don't, you know, let my demons get the better of me. Um, uh, but that support's been huge, and I, I do appreciate it. So thank you very, very much. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much it for now. As I say, uh, episode 16.5, uh, I should get it out later tonight. If not, it'll be out tomorrow, but... Uh, Understanding Tenet is a special edition that I will be doing um, for all of those people who've walked out of that film going, what the fuck just happened? So, you know, stick around. Have a listen. Uh, But for now, I wish you peace, love, and empathy. Uh, Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Enjoy the rest of your week. And enjoy your movies. Until then, bye-bye.